just thinking about all the work, all the planning, everything that goes into Christmas. Some of you plan for, uh, I would say, months, and some of you for weeks, and some of you for, eh, you know, like a couple of hours before Christmas happens or something like that. But um, Christmas has come. Has, has Christmas gone? It, it hasn't gone. When is it gone? When you take the tree down or something like You uh, see, you've heard the 12 days of Christmas, right? But that starts on Christmas Day for 12 days. So it goes to like January the 5th. So if you want to drag Christmas out and milk every bit of it, out of it that you can, then you need to remember the 12 days of Christmas after Christmas. And um, uh, as I say, there's been a lot of planning. Uh, there's been decorations and festive food, and, and we're, we'll be feeding off leftovers for some time. And uh, just, just a good time that we had. Uh, I was reminded Friday was garbage day for us. So you got all this stuff that's got to get out as we, as we prepare to say goodbye to Christmas for another year. Um, the decorations will come down. The nativity scene will go back in the box. And life will return to some measure of normalcy. And it's all over. And we pause and reflect on what Christmas 2019 has been. I don't know how you came to Christmas this year. I don't know what kind of attitude you came. Maybe it was excitement of all that was going to happen and what you were going to do. Um, or, or maybe you were, you were a little struggling about Christmas because maybe this is the first Christmas without your spouse and how's that going to be? I don't, I, I don't know how you came and we can't go back in time and redo that, but we can think maybe about how we leave Christmas, how we go from Christmas. And this morning, I want to look at six different players in the whole Christmas drama and uh, what, they came, what, what they came to this time of year with and what they left with and to see if we can't learn something about what it means to leave Christmas and to go from Christmas in a different way. So uh, we want to take a look at a few people. And the first one that we're going to look at is Mary. It's got to be Mary. She's the center of the thing aside from Jesus. She is, she is the center of this. And, and think about this. A young girl, uh, youth like 13 or 14, pledged to be married uh, to a fine, upstanding uh, young man, uh, a person of great moral and spiritual commitment. You can imagine if God chose a husband for the woman that he had chosen to bear his son, he would make an excellent choice. And and so uh, like any bride-to-be, Mary is excited about the future, the prospects of marriage, and this wonderful guy who's going to be her husband. And her world would be absolutely invaded uh, with an angelic messenger who comes to her, who breaks into her world, and and says, 
uh, coming from Gabriel, comes from the presence of God to tell her that he's bringing a message. And this message is that she is going to bear the one who would be the Messiah. And, and, and as he tells her this, uh, I mean, this is a frightening encounter. Here, here is this angel. Like we think of angels like some little cherub floating around. Angels, whenever a person is encountering an angel, there's fear there. There's something about these angelic beings that stand in the presence of God and come to do his bidding. And um, so here she is finding out that she is going to bear the Son of God and, and the Messiah and the one whose kingdom will never, never end. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being confronted with that? And God will do something unique that has never before been done and will never again be done through the Holy Spirit because Mary is, understands enough to say, how is this going to be? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not even married yet. I, I'm this makes no sense to me. How, how can this happen? And don't worry. The shadow of the Most High, you know, will cover you. And that which is born of you will be the, the Son of God. There will be a, a, uh, a conception that has never been before. And uh, so as the events unfold, unfold uh, she would marry Joseph, um, especially in, and in light of all the questions in the community about we thought Mary was a good girl, and here she is now expecting. And here's this guy, and he, he is nothing but, but an upright guy. And, and so the, there was some chirping. There's some uh, news going around uh, town about them. And, and so they get married, which is almost like a, you know, an admission of guilt on their part. Uh, they take the trip to Bethlehem. Uh, there's the birth of the child. Uh, there are shepherds. Uh, there are Simeon and Anna, and there are, uh, uh, there are wise men or, or magi. And Mary is trying to drink all of this in and understand what's happening as she is moving from all of what Christmas was. And she's overwhelmed by all of this. She's trying to absorb it all. She's trying to make sense of it all. The Messiah from my womb. And here she is from the eternal counsels of God, fulfilling his plan. But I'm just a humble little girl. There's nothing about me. Why me? Why now? How? And all of these questions. And as, as there are different encounters that Mary has, uh, we read that she and Joseph marveled at all of these things. Mary is trying to wrap her mind around what's happening. And in Luke 2, 19, it says this, but Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. Here she is lying back on the damp straw, holding this newborn baby close to her, trying to drink it all in, trying to make sense of it. Uh, truly, the appropriate response that she has to Christmas is one of awe and speechlessness. 
I can't understand. I can't believe it. And she treasured up all of these things in her heart, pondering them, thinking about them. There's something absolutely incredible about uh, Christmas and the Christmas story and the events of Christmas. It's the kind of thing when you, when you try and understand it, it, it leaves you speechless that God could do what he did and execute, execute his plan so perfectly. And as little bit by little bit are added to the thing, Mary sits back and wonders and in, 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 in awe tries to make sense of this. What has God done in your life? We've come over the last weeks and we looked at how God planned for Christmas, the need of Christmas, the, the, the way God unfolded everything according to his plan. You realize that God has a plan for your life that goes back before time, goes back before creation, that he knew you. He loved you. He set his love upon you. He made you a part of his story. He, he, he had this plan for your life that, that would be good, even though you may endure some tough times and, tri- and trials through that. God became one of us, came to earth. The one who was creator is now in the arms of a young girl who's caring for him and protecting him. Have you tried to wrap your mind around that? Have you tried to, to, to come to grips with that? And as Mary is overwhelmed, I think there ought to be something that when we try and understand this, which, which we can't understand, that the God, the Son, outside of time and space invades our world and becomes one of us and walks in our shoes what he did for you and for me in his coming. His perfect life, his terrible, agonizing death, and his victory over death and sin. And as Mary is overwhelmed and treasuring and pondering, I, I wonder through the busyness of Christmas, have you paused to take some time to reflect on the wonder and the miracle of Christmas, and how you are a part of that, and, and that you understand something of the grace and goodness and love of God, and your understanding of God explodes beyond what you could have understood before. Well, I think one of the appropriate ways that we go from the experience of Christmas is in quietness and pondering and trying to make sense of it all and expressing our gratitude to God for all that he has done. Well, I suppose it would only be right for our second uh, person that we want to consider is to think about Joseph. The man God chose, is, as I said before, if God chooses somebody to be a caretaker, you know he's got to be beyond, right up there, the very top of the heap. And, and here is this uh, young man, and And every time we see him, he is being spoken to by God in a dream at night. Every time. And and here he is uh, being told, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. 
because that which is, is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. Take her as your wife. And his response has been immediate obedience. Immediate obedience. And he took her. And, and they go down uh, to, uh, to Bethlehem. And there he is, faithful, caring. And, uh, and as, as Mary is overwhelmed, Joseph is trying to make sense but he trusted God. He trusted who he was. He trusted the word of God. He was obedient to the words of God. And so when he hears of the pregnancy, there's no delay. He, he responds immediately. And God speaks and Joseph moves with immediacy and obedience. Take Mary as your wife. Done. Um, regardless of the gossip mill. I don't care about that. If you say do it, I'll do it. He's a provider, a, pro- a protector. He's faithful and steady. And every single time God gives him an order, a command, he does it immediately. How will you come through Christmas? How will you respond to Christmas? Is God calling out to you? Is he calling you to trust you to do something is he wanting you to relinquish something you're doing, to do something, to order your life as a passionate follower of Jesus Christ? Perhaps one of those steps that he's asking you to take is, is baptism, which we're going to do next month. And, and you say, I haven't, I haven't done that yet. Well, I want to encourage you. Be like Joseph. When God speaks, when God says, do something, I do it. If God says, don't do it, I don't do it. If God says, stop, I stop. If he says, go, I go. And go, into Jan- go from Christmas 2019 with a fresh commitment and resolve to submissively follow God in all we do, to be faithful to him, to obey him, to be obedient to him. Not everyone is so po- uh, poised uh, to respond positively to the word of God. But I want to challenge you as we go from this year, this Christmas, into a new year, that you will, like Joseph, go from Christmas with a resolve to faithfulness and obedience. One of the figures that stands out as most opposed to everything that was happening in Christmas, beyond the Scrooges of this world, beyond the the Grinches intended on stealing Christmas, is a political figure by the name of King Herod. Herod the Great, um, ruling in Jerusalem at the time of Jesus' birth. An interesting guy, shrewd as a leader, calculating, uh, uh, keeping on the right side of the Roman uh, establishment. But he was a bloodthirsty, tyrannical despot, insanely jealous ruler who was always on the lookout for people who might be a challenge uh, to his uh, throne, to his position. In fact, so freaked out was he by anything and anyone that looked suspicious to him that he murdered his father-in-law, several of his ten wives, and two of his sons, feeling and fearing that they might try and usurp his throne. He understood that he was not beloved by many people and so uh, plagued by this paranoia that somebody is out to get him that to illustrate the level of his treachery, 
Uh, he ordered, as he, late in life, as he was not well, that certain nobles in Jerusalem would all be gathered together, and upon his death they should be in Jericho, and there he would have them all slaughtered. And in that way, people would mourn when he died. You see what kind of a person this was. A, a terrible, terrible person. Herod wanted nothing to do with Christmas. The Magi come from the east. We've seen his star, that the king of the Jews has been born. And so where do you go but to Jerusalem? Where do you go but to the capital and, and to, the, to the ruler there? And he said, uh, we've seen his star and we've come to worship him. And that sent terror through the heart of this despot. Uh, Herod wanted no part of this. In fact, so calculating was he, and he would brook no rivals, um, so out of his mind that he says, uh, now uh, I need you to do something. I need you to find this baby and come back and tell me so I can worship him too. In the meantime, he called the uh, religious leaders of his day, and he said to them, uh, where is the, the king of the Jews? Where's the Messiah to be born? Oh, that's a no-brainer, they said. They, they knew their scriptures. Uh, Micah 5, 2, uh, in Bethlehem of Judea. That's where he'll be born. And he figured out from the, uh, from the wise men, from the magi, uh, when they got this signal that the birth had happened, very shrewd, very calculating. And uh, he says, well, go along, come back and let me know. Herod, Herod was furious. And the scripture tells us that uh, he was upset by this news and all Jerusalem with him. You see, when, when this guy was upset, everybody was on edge because of the kind of thing that he would do, the kind of person he was. And so the Magi go, and they find the Christ, and they bow down before him, and they present these gifts that are fit for royalty, very expensive gifts, and uh, they worship him. And uh, after that, uh, Herod, uh, they're warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, so they go back another way. And Herod was furious when he found this out. So he instructed the soldiers to go to Bethlehem and to slaughter all the babies, Bethlehem and the surrounding area. And uh, all these babies were killed by the soldier, or soldiers. He would not chance having anybody take his throne. But God protected his son, and in the middle of the night, again, through Joseph awakened him, and in the middle of the night, Joseph left. The devious plot was thwarted, but Herod wanted nothing to do with Christmas. He didn't want anything going in nor going out. He was angry, hateful, antagonistic, spiteful, and would oppose Christmas in any way you can, trying to make sure that Christmas wouldn't even happen. But God is not thwarted by that. There are people like Herod who live in anger toward God, a people who, for, for whom Christmas, this nonsense of Christmas can end any time. They want nothing to do with it. Uh, they don't believe in it. 
Uh, They think this is some kind of crazy, flawed religious stuff that people are into that's not helpful. It's intellectually nonsense and rubbish. And and may concede to, to Christmas and acknowledge that someone exists, but they're not interested in anyone who would pose a threat to their autonomy, that would be a king, that would rule their life, that would tell them what they need to do. They want to live their life the way they want to, and they want no one to be uh, usurping the control that they want themselves. And Christianity and Christ and and Christmas can be uh, difficult that way. It challenges us being in our control and our autonomy and calls on us to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ in his sovereignty, to follow him according to what he wants. And sadly, some people are like Herod, and they miss out on the joy and the peace and the love. Uh, they, they don't know what it is to be forgiven. They don't know what it is to have something. They're angry, vindictive people. And uh, uh, sad, sad commentary. And the way they came to uh, Christmas, he left the same way. And I would say to you, you you may be here. You may be here and you don't want to be here. And somebody asked you to come and you came, but you're angry and you're against what Christmas is all about. I would say, pause and think about what we've talked about, how important and how wonderful Christ is and what he does and what he brings. Well, there's another group uh, as well, the religious leaders. And they were questioned and asked, where is this guy supposed to be born, this king of the Jews? And they know right away. They knew the Holy Scriptures. They knew the prophecies about Messiah, who he was and what he would do, and all of these kinds of things. In fact, when, when Herod reported it, they instantaneously had an answer for him. Um, we know where he's to be born. We know what's, what's happening with that. And here now, the greatest event in human history is happening, the Christ event we talked about uh, last week, how, how God fulfilled his plan and purpose and brought in Jesus uh, into our world. And, uh, and uh, so, so here the religious leaders are hearing that people have come, they've seen his star in the east, and they've come to worship him. They are 10 kilometers from where Jesus is, and they're able to say, here's where he should be born, and yet they did nothing. I want to call these people the apathetic. They're not against it. They're part of the religious establishment, but they never took one step toward discovering what this is all about. It's sad that some people who are most privileged don't avail themselves of that. They have access to knowledge and understanding. They may have gone to church when they were younger and don't go anywhere. Perhaps they developed other interests and affections and desires. Maybe they wanted to be in control of their own life. And it's not that they think religion or Christianity or Christ is something bad. Not necessarily at all. It's just that not at this point in their life. They don't, they're not concerned about that. And besides, Christ may be in conflict in the, of the way they want to live their own life. What Christ is all about and what he desires of us. And they aren't against Christmas. They'll come out to Christmas Eve service. They'll come out to church with family now and again. 
But it's as though the cares of this life and this world are such that uh, we, we just don't really want to go on that trek right now, that God thing, and submitting to God. They wanted a life that they would be free to do what they want. And they're not saying it's bad or it's wrong. In fact, they say, you know, sometime maybe I'll come back to this if they hadn't already. But the cares of this life seems to snuff out the light of Christ, which was shining so that they don't see it. And they can't be bothered. It's just 10 kilometers away, but they can't be bothered. And they're apathetic. And it's sad because what God gives us in Christmas and forgiveness and love and joy and being a part of his family and eternal life and all of those things are so absolutely incredible. And yet, sometimes we trade those for other things. And you can come to Christmas and leave just as you came, apathetic, thinking it's a nice thing, but just not now, not in my life, not at this time. And sometimes left unchecked, For years and years, people can become cold and calloused. And the thing that at one point they thought was something good now is something that that they are more put off with and don't want any part of. Well, there's uh, another group that came, and that was the Magi. These were were, uh, dignitaries from the East, may have been from Babylon. It may have been that when God's people were in Babylon, they had access to the word of God, the, the scrolls of the, of the uh, prophets. And uh, somehow God alerted them to the understanding that the king of the Jews had been born. And they made this huge effort to come representing their country and their king uh, to do obeisance and worship uh, this king of the Jews. They brought expensive gifts. They were overjoyed at seeing the king. Um, and, and they fulfilled everything they wanted. How did they leave? I, as, I, as I reflect on this, I think there was a sense of joy and satisfaction. They were overjoyed when they saw the, the, um, uh, the, the star that led them right to the very place. They were, they were so overjoyed at seeing the Christ child and bowing before him and worshiping him. I think there was a sense of deep joy and satisfaction. They had come to represent their country, and now here they are on behalf of their country. And, and uh, having been able to say we have fulfilled what our, what our uh, government has asked us to do. But I think there's a, an interesting thing also. They came on a mission on behalf of their country. They saw something more than that. But they left cautiously because uh, Herod had, they knew and had a sense that this guy was up to no good. He was going to do something very uh, devious and terrible. And uh, so they came and they're warned in a dream not to go back and tell him to go back another way. And they respond also. You see, it's kind of interesting. When you're on the side of Jesus, um, you can be in a state of having people not appreciate your faith, uh, your love, your desire to follow him and to fulfill what he wants. 
And some are not happily receptive of the news, perhaps, that you have opened your heart to Jesus Christ. You have family members or or friends or co-workers, and they're not very happy for you. They're not very uh, they're not very pleased with your decision to Christ. It's interesting that Jesus himself in John 15 and verse 20 would say this, the servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute uh, persecute you also. And and so it is with that. Here are these guys that they're going and they did what they came to and they worshiped and there was joy in that. But they also go with a, a little bit of caution, understanding that having aligned themselves with this king, potentially put them in some measure of danger. Now, we live in a free country, and the danger is not that uh, the same way as some people have to face. But people may be surprised uh, at your faith and may not be supportive of it and may give you a little pushback. You need to be ready to go from Christmas realizing that you need to be faithful and that... uh, you may find yourself uh, under, under the, uh, uh, the uh, ill feelings of others around you because of Christmas. Some will leave like that. But lastly, there was this group of the shepherds. Among some of the most lowly people uh, in, in the Middle East, uh, people in that Israelite life, uh, they didn't consider shepherds very highly. They lived and stayed out with the sheep, often for long periods of time. They were considered not to be uh, clean, clean uh, in a religious sense. It couldn't go into the temple that way. They weren't trustworthy, it was felt, to tell the truth, so they weren't allowed to uh, offer witness in a court of law. They were considered dishonest, and maybe some of these things give them a bit of a bad rap but they were on the low rung of society. And uh, here's the crazy thing, that God chose to announce to the very first people it was to these lowly shepherds. Most unexpected of all. Here they are on a dark night. Uh, They're out tending the sheep. And uh, here comes this blinding light and there's a, 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 an angel appearing to them. And he said, first word, don't be afraid. You know, every time there's, there's an angelic announcement, it's don't be afraid because they do inspire fear. Don't be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. The long-awaited Savior has been born. And here are these rough-and-tumble guys out in in the night uh, uh, under the starry skies uh, around a fire trying to keep warm. And then a whole angelic choir uh, shows up. Glory to God in the highest. Of all the people, the, the apathetic religious leaders missed out. But the humble shepherds are there. They're the first ones to witness and see the Christ child. They're full of joy and excitement. They're giddy. 
And um, of all these people, they were the first to lay eyes on the Savior. And when you've been so blessed and been so favored, how do you respond? In Luke 2.20, it says, They returned glorifying God and praising him for all they had heard and seen. It was just as they had been told. And when they saw him, they left Christmas spreading the word wherever they want, wherever they went. Like the shepherds, God affords us a privilege of knowing Christ, of knowing him intimately, personally, that uh, our very our very uh, mission statement of our church is that, that we would lead people to know Jesus Christ. The, what a privilege they have. They were afforded that. And they saw. And, and when you've got something so exciting, you can't keep it to yourself, can you? I mean, you, you've got to get it out there. You've got to tell. And they, everywhere they went, they told about what Christ had, that they had seen the Christ and who he was. And the people were all amazed. It's incredible <laughs> when God opens the hearts and minds of someone to understand their need, to understand what Christ has done. And the natural inclination is, I need to share this. This is, this is so good. This is so wonderful. We can't leave it. I remember a man in my first church. He'd been a religious man. He, he'd, he'd been a, he was a very decent, good chap. But he didn't make all of the connections about who Christ was. And I remember he was a, he was a farmer. He came to understand the love of Christ that he had for him. He opened his heart to Christ and, and he was, there was a song that he had heard at church years ago, a, a great old song. And uh, since Jesus came into my heart, floods of joy o'er my soul, like the sea billows roll, since Jesus came into my heart. And uh, Earl would, uh, would get on his tractor, and this tune was in his mind, and he would sing at the top of his lungs as he's plowing the fields. And he, and he got the words a little bit wrong. Since Jesus came into my heart, balls of joy o'er my soul. And, and he would sing and he would share with others what Christ has done for him. I don't know about you, but God wants us to go from Christmas sharing what he had done for us. And here we have the first evangelists, these lowly shepherds who who pour out their heart with joy and tell everyone everywhere what Christ had done for them. How are you leaving Christmas this year? I mean, it's just about wrapped up. We'll wait till after New Year's and then all the decorations will come down and our house will look normal, non-Christmas again. But how are you going to, how are you going to uh, leave Christmas this year? Will it be with Mary this this pondering heart of wonder at what God has done. Will you be like Joseph, this continuing in faithfulness and obedience, what you've always been, and you'll keep doing that, and you'll you'll go from Christmas in that way? Will you be like Herod, angry, going in, angry, going out, want nothing to do with it going in, glad it's over, let me, out, let me out of this anger, opposition to Christ. 
Will it be the apathy of the religious leaders who were that close, that close to the Messiah and couldn't be bothered to go and even checking it out, just didn't care? Are you going to be like the, uh, like the wonderful first evangelists, those shepherds who, who pour out their joy in the community, telling them all about Christ? And maybe you've come to this service and you have not yet opened your heart to Jesus Christ and you're leaving Christmas and, and everything will be kind of shut down soon. I want to ask you, do you feel a sense of Christ tugging in your heart? Do you have a sense that, that there was something so incredibly wonderful and that God loves you and, and, that, and that God knew your name before you were ever born and he's reaching out his arms. He came to, to save you. He came to pay the penalty for your sin and, and, and to make a way for God to be able to accept you even though you failed God so often. Would you open your heart to him this day and would you leave Christ, Christmas as a member of the family of God, having been forgiven, having joy in your heart, having a sense of being a child of God and having eternal life? You can do that by just praying quietly to yourself in your own head, recognizing your sin, recognizing how you have failed God, but that God has sent Christ to die in your place, raised him from the dead, and he holds his arms open, inviting you to come to him, to find forgiveness, to find grace and mercy, and that you might leave Christmas 2019 going into 2020 as a brand new child of God. That would be my prayer for you if you haven't. And, and that you would leave this place with the joy uh, that, that the angels had, the, the joy that my friend Earl had since Jesus came into my heart. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this Christmas season that we have just come through. Father, I thank you for how meaningful it's been for so many of us. And Lord, I realize there may be some here who, who are leaving Christmas and maybe their heart's not in a right place. It's not in a good place. I pray that you would open their heart to your love and to your grace, your forgiveness. And Father, I pray for those who maybe have not yet taken that step of faith and I pray that you would open their heart as only you can to bring them into your family by your grace alone, not by anything that we can do or merit, receiving that ultimate gift from you, salvation in Jesus Christ. And so, Father, I pray that as we go from Christmas, you'll help us to, to uh, ponder the wonderful things to be faithfully pursuing you and walking in your, in your light, to being faithful to you even though we get some pushback, uh, to share the good news of Jesus wherever we go. And Father, I pray that as we go through this next year and as we come to 
another Christmas should Jesus tarry, that we would be a growing family of believers who have come to recognize the wonder and glory of the grace of Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.